This cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey. I am your host, Daniel Pru, sitting in the center seat this week for our 10th episode. That's right, we are finally into double digits. Uh, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts. We have the ship barber... Darren Moser, how's it going down there in the barbershop, Darren? Oh, it's going very well. I have been enjoying... Uh, I'm actually an understudy of the famous barber, Mr. Mott, of the Mott's Applesauce Fortune, if you didn't know that. But, uh, you know, he is just starting to entrust me with some synthetic scissors that we use down here. So hopefully by the end of this mission, I will make it all the way up to Broom Sweeper. Wow. <laughs> So in the 24th century... He's, he's a very harsh man, okay? <laughs> you, you just have to understand. How, how like, many pips is that? How many pips? Uh, we don't actually use pips. He keeps, you know, pieces of hair, and he kind of glues them. To, it's really kind of creepy. <laughs> I'm gross. actually thinking of a transfer, but... Uh, <laughs> that's pretty gross. All right, let's move on from that, because that is a little disturbing to think about. Um, also with us today is mission specialist, badmiral expert... Philip Gilfus. Philip, I have a feeling, I have a feeling we're, we might be running into some bad rules on this mission. Are you ready for that? Uh, yeah, my uh, short range sensors are detecting um, a bad moral. Um Let's see. I, let's see. I got ooh three pips. That's not. That's that's those. Those are the really bad bad morals. Um, you know the one pit bad morals, You know they'll just like trip you. You know maybe tie your shoelaces together. <laughs> but uh, a three pit bad moral, That's that's you're going to just be sent into a death trap, and you're going to have. No choice for that one. So, so look out for everyone. Keep those invisible seatbelts uh, strapped in. Now, I'm curious, Philip, what sound klaxon goes off when a badmiral approaches? Well, this is a family show, Darren, so I can't actually play that alarm. Um, but we'll, I'll be happy to play it during our after hours Earl Grey decaf edition. There you go. It's very urgent. I'll take it. Yes. Well, we'll have to look out for that. Well, if you have, as you may or may not have realized, this is actually going to be Earl Grey's first foray into episode commentary. And as we have been uh, commenting on a few of the recent episodes, I'm a huge fan of Ensign Rowe. And since I'm in the center seat this, this week, we're going to do Ensign Rowe, the episode. We're going to, we are going to commentate on the episode of Ensign Rowe called Ensign Rowe, moving on from that. Um, so, so everybody get ready. Get your queue up your Netflix or your DVD or however you consume your Star Trek media. I don't know. Maybe you have VHS tapes or Betamax or, or whatever you have. Uh, and I'm going to give you a countdown, and we're all going to start from there. And if you're lucky enough, maybe you're listening to this right when the Season 5 Blu-ray has been released, and you could be watching this on Blu-ray. That's true. You could be watching from the future, as these podcasts will not disintegrate over the next five months. That's right. That's right. All right, everyone. Press play in three, two, one, and go. All right, guys. So obviously, uh, we start out here with with Mont, right? This is the first appearance of Mont, I believe. And uh, how do we feel about Mont? How do, how do you guys do? You guys like Mont? Are you Mont fans? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a an interesting take. I mean, you, this makes you question, though. Like, who would choose to be a barber? on the enterprise like you know your life's ambition you're like i don't i'm not really an action person i don't know if i want to join starfleet <laughs> um I'm, you know i'm not really an engineer but how could i get into space <laughs> barber that's it well you have to think right okay so you have to th let's con let's assume that ma is starfleet's best barber as Riker says in the episode and he's hit a peak in his career maybe he's on um bolia I don't, a widow's I don't peak Ha uh, ha! Bolia is that where they're from? I don't know. Um, wherever his planet is, or Earth, or wherever he's from, and he's hit. He he is the man to go to for a haircut. But eventually, you can't go any higher than that. So, what what is your next career move? 
oh, space. That's your next career move. So it makes logical sense. That's right. I'm just throwing this out in the background. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a Vulcan, but it sure looked like a Romulan sitting behind him. I think the makeup department was getting a little sloppy right there with the background characters. Well, maybe maybe it was that crewman's grandfather. Oh, that's right. Oh, there you go. And maybe Mott is so concerned with hair that he's completely oblivious that one of his his uh, assistants <laughs> is a Romulan spy. He doesn't even bother like putting on the makeup anymore. <laughs> he's, he's just been talking him to the, death. He has the Roddenberry philosophy of he doesn't see people. He just sees their hair. <laughs> All people are equal he just, in Mott's well, maybe, barbershop. Maybe like Daniel, you know, Romulan is in this year uh, <laughs> in Starfleet and Federation. You know, everyone's getting the shoulder pads and their off-duty uniforms and all that, going for the, the bold Beatles haircut, you know. I was going to say, maybe... It reminds me of a comic I once read where they had a Klingon fashion designer, and basically it's like, who on the clone world decides what the Klingons wear? This year, more belts and sashes. That's last year was, you know, shoulder pads and, you know, cranial ridges. <laughs> I think that would be a great episode uh, in Future Trek. Yeah, for a long time, cranial ridges were out. That was considered they very were. unfashionable. They were so, so faux pas. It was more of the wet wet look and you know all that stuff. The, the 22nd century, right? That's what it was? The, yeah. The whole 22nd yeah, so. century, no ridges, just... Right. just. So do we not actually have to talk about Edson Rowe until she shows up on yeah, screen? Yeah, I don't think it's uh, I think it seems to be the way we're going. <laughs> right. do you, I, you take a drink every time she appears. <laughs> or every time we actually talk about the episode that's, that's occurring on the screen right now. <laughs> Right now, there's a ship moving through space, exploring space on a continuing mission. <laughs> so people feel this, um, you know, listening to some other Star Trek podcasts, and people kind of feel like uh, the TNG uh, opening here is the, the dullest. Do you guys feel that way? I mean, I guess it kind of, well, I guess, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I consider some other Star Trek series to have much duller uh, openings. At least here, there's a ship moving as opposed to something standing still for the whole time <laughs> that the music is going. But anyway, I won't name names. But I guess the idea is that TNG didn't even come up with its own opening; it just stole TOS. Yeah, they opening. basically took the TOS one and swapped out the Enterprise for the Enterprise right. and uh, pumped up the music a bit. Well, they did have some of those stars flying by, it, and apparently were in the solar system. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Saturn looks well, I like pretty how change. BA. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. It's classic now, though. That's what, I like it because it's classic, and I still get pumped up when I'm listening to the music. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to watch TNG, man. I'm excited about it. But. <laughs> yeah, we always throw our, pump our fist in the air. TNG, yeah! <laughs> so here we have uh, some recycled footage, which TNG rarely does. Oh, no. That's a joke. It's all so, the time. So no, right now we're never. seeing space dock, and the Enterprise is going to fit perfectly into uh, those little Look at that. You, right? oh, oh. you can already tell it's not going to fit. Oh, my God. No, that's not even uh, it's not even go there. This isn't Transformers. You can't mass shift uh, just to make it work. I'm sorry. Is it the TARDIS, maybe? Is the space dock? Is it no. bigger on the inside? Well, this must be Earth because I'm pretty sure that's freaking Earth's moon in the background. I mean, I could take <laughs> another blue planet with a star base, but... It's got a moon, and it, I mean, I can see Armstrong City from here. <laughs> so we we have. Yeah, a, we I, 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 well, I was gonna say I like how John Luke always tries to butter up the the bad morals. Not that not that we know he's a bad moral yet, but spoiler alert: he's um, an admiral so, on the Enterprise, giving Picard yeah. flack. He's yeah. a bad moral. Are there That's good like, morals? So, <laughs> can you can you give me an example of a a good moral, like somebody who's nice? There's a few. Like? There's the there's the um. Admiral from Drumhead who stops the investigation. Oh, yep. mm-hmm. um, There's the Admiral in Wolf 359 who dies on his flagship. He kind of had Picard's back the whole time. The one who kind of shoved Selby down his throat. But in the end, like he made some good calls. He didn't even want to play poker. Yeah, though. and he, he, well, he still well, had an eye for the ladies. You know, yeah, yeah. He he was real creepy about Shelby, wasn't he? <laughs> he he, well, he gave fantasies. Riker command of the Enterprise. What does that mean? So. Could you please uh, clarify that? <clears throat> That's true. He gave Riker, you know, the Enterprise. That's true. That's right. And, and he you... gave them that fourth pip. And you know, if if uh, Riker had been in command any longer, he may have popped the question to Troy, as we talked about <laughs> last week. That's right. But but then Did he got demoted. John Luke came back, and then like Riker hid the ring and. Hid the pip. <laughs> no, O'Brien stole the pip. That's what happened to the pip. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, you're not using this anymore? I'll just take that. 
This is right now, if you haven't picked up, we're, this is not uh, an episodic-based podcast. You need to watch it in order to get our references, as our characters will grow from episode to episode. Just like TNG. Now, you can tell he's not... You can tell this admiral isn't like way up there because he doesn't have a belt. He doesn't have the belt of you know mm. leadership, right? So he's kind so, of free flowing. So, so here. there's the big joke on on Trek FM on the ready room specifically about how you know the admirals seem to have their own fashion design. Like they get to pick their uniform. So but they always seem to have this gold trim, which I think is pretty cool. Like I like mm. his uniform. I think it's pretty snazzy. Yeah, well, I just, in a just, you know, kind of coming to admiral, it's like Star Trek Online. <laughs> you just make your own uniform. So okay, so here he, let's actually bring it back to the episode for people that are actually watching the episode. Um, here we go. We're getting the uh, the introduction to the character of Rolaren <gasps> through this conversation, and I think it's kind of bogus. Take that, a drink. <laughs> I think it's kind of bogus that everybody like she's this infamous. She's just an ensign. She botched up one away mission, which you have to assume happens all the time, and. She's like she's notorious. People died, Daniel. People <laughs> died, and they had names, okay, <laughs> and families. Yeah, I just assume that this kind of thing happens all the t- like. Okay, first of all, you're, if you're putting an ensign in command of your away mission, maybe that maybe that's bound to happen. Well, but well, it's like Voyager. Everyone kind of knew who Tom Paris was, or you know, when when the you first officer Lacarno? and the doctor were kind of glaring, <laughs> at glaring at him. <laughs> yes. He changed his name as an alias. Uh, well, well, sticking to the episode, one thing, you know, is that this is the first um, Bajora slash Bajoran mention here in Star Trek, and, and they actually make that distinction where they, in this one scene between the Badmiral and Picara, they talk refer to them as Bajora and Bajoran. So um, I don't know, we, we talked about that maybe the difference between a Bajoran and a Bajora is the number of nose ridges, maybe. We're, we're not sure. We're not sure, but... Uh, it's how they conjugate the verb, don't you know? Like, if, depending on, uh, you know, if you were, which continent you were in when you were learning about Bajor, Bajora, or maybe it's like one of those plural things where it's got the little bracket around the N, you know, <laughs> like the bracket around the S. So we have this scene. It's kind of weird to see, you know, Ensign Row with that little lone Ensign Pip. It's just like. It's almost almost weird to see someone having that just one pip there. Yeah, well, I remember hearing, um, I don't know. There goes the earring. Yeah, there goes the earring. I think it was uh, Rick Berman or whoever was in charge at the time. Maybe it was Brandon Braga. But they were justifying never promoting Harry Kim. And they said that every show has to have its ensign. But TNG Mm -hmm. lost its ensign in season three. Season three or season four. Whenever Wesley left the show. Mm-hmm. And Mr. we never Crusher. had him. So it was weird. We never really had a full-time ensign. So it was – you're right. It is kind of strange because we don't often get major characters who are that low rank in TNG. Although we're going to have yeah. to discuss at some point, you know, Jordy LaForge's rise of power because he goes from, like, lieutenant <laughs> junior grade to, like, lieutenant like to lieutenant commander in a matter of years like it is crazy how two fast years he actually gets promoted <laughs> yeah that's no, true oh, what yeah. so okay well, you know never mind just, <laughs> just just bringing it back to this episode again um th- this scene kind of kind of shows why i like ensign row so much um and again i'm not gonna just harp your too stance much. <laughs> i'm not gonna harp too much on on deep space nine right now but uh, I, I and I did say before that I think that that Ensign Rowe is should have been the Kira role. Obviously, that's what they were they were making her for. But I think she's a stronger character. I really do. Like, and the first the first time we see Kira, she's throwing a six year old temper tantrum, and and maybe people find that endearing. Maybe people like that part of her. I don't. I think it's obnoxious. I think you just you, you know you, if you don't get your way, you don't get to just throw things around. But but here we have someone who is kind of bucking authority and is kind of trying to be to go against the grain but she she does it in a way that's shows that she has some sort of depth of character like i think that you know she's not as aggressive as as kira is especially early on and i think that's one of the reasons i like her so much she's she's despondent well, this scene with a smile. is so great because like she knows Right now, basically, she's the smartest person in the room. She knows more than Picard on how to like pronounce Bajoran names and <laughs> all these ins and outs. So, and she doesn't mind telling people, you know, what's going on. But I have to admit, this scene is the first that drew it to my attention. Who put her uniform together? Because that is the largest collar 
I have ever seen on an ensign. It's like they wanted to showcase that she only had one pip, and so they made a disproportionate collar to show this tiny dot on it. It's huge. It's bigger than Commander Riker's, and he, he won't even put four pips on his. Well, maybe, and I don't want to cast any aspersions, but maybe, you know, Michelle Forbes came in, had a hickey, and they're like, oh, how are we going to cover that up? we got to make the <laughs> collar bigger. So, you know, that's a, just, just, just a theory. I mean, you know, Troy can never have a hickey, because look at that uniform. There's no collar at all. <laughs> yeah, there's, maybe there's barely a uniform. Maybe she started getting hickeys after she started putting on the uniform. <laughs> yeah, once once Jellico was like, okay, get in uniform, she was like, yes, finally, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> All the hickeys in the world. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I do. I love, I love Ensign Row. I love this episode. I think it's, it's really good. And it's interesting because when I picked this episode, it was just because I wanted to talk about Ensign Row. But it's really interesting how much this sets up Deep Space Nine. And honestly, even Voyager to, a, to an extent, because we get this conflict between the Bajorans and the Cardassians, which sets up the Maquis as well. This is this this is kind of the genesis for all of the nineties trek that we get. And it's, it's Yeah, the Maquis become a very central thread through <laughs> all three of their starts. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. I thought you were I thought you were going a different place. I thought you were gonna say they become a very central thread to Voyager after the first episode when they completely drop it. <laughs> well, no, but in, into the setting up of the premise yes, and yes. getting, you know, I mean, they could have just said, here's a Starfleet crew and they're heading to the second star and boop, oh, now they're in the Delta Quadrant. Like, at least they tried to, like, spice it up a little bit, you know, for the pilot. So did it feel good the second star straight, into, straight until morning? Is that where they go? Oh, boy. Yes, but, um, well, yes, one thing yes. I, want, I, I want to talk about is um, with the Bajorans, you know, obviously, look, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and everything else, here we are in... in and where we are now in Star Trek, but you know, this is the first time the Bajorans were set up. And just briefly, you know, here here we see the way team kind of into this Bajoran um, refugee colony. But like the Bajorans are an interesting concept to me because it's it's very much modern day and also in our own history um, here in, in 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 the world of of a people who are being persecuted. And here you had the Federation who who knew about this occupation and this persecution. But, you know, for whatever reason, to keep the peace, quote-unquote, decided not to intervene. You know, whether you want to use the, the Holocaust example or, or whatever, a modern example, um, you know, where we know people are being, being hurt by another government, but, but we choose not to act for one reason or another. Um, but here we have the Bajorans and, and what that means. How does this, the, the morality of the Federation recognized here? And here you have Picard, you know, oh, you don't meet with the guy who's all popular with the Bajorans, does all the fleshy press conferences. You meet with the real people, and they may be people who have their hands dirty, who may have done bad things. And so, I mean, I, there's so many modern applications to, you know, who the Bajorans can represent in our own time. So, but, but I think it's interesting where we look at the Federation having this moralistic stand and how do they treat the Bajorans and how do they deal with them? I think she has an awesome jacket. <laughs> she, she also has an awesome jacket. And I mentioned this once Not before. Not to diminish anything you said there, Philip. But, you know. <laughs> and I mentioned this once before. Yeah, but just I'll, looking I'll, at her arms. Yeah. Yes, look at her arms. Um, uh, and I'll do it again, but um, TNG m majorly underrepresents the sciences division. Um, all we ever get is crusher and then troy in the last season and a half it's red and gold every it's beam red, and gold. red and gold everyone <laughs> you look on the bridge there's no blue on the bridge it's all red and gold and it's like what the heck man i i, I always that's one thing that always irritated me deep space nine had two uh voyager had i guess voyager only had one as well Voyager didn't have any blue on the bridge. None on the bridge. No, you're right. That's, That's right. I mean, only one. They could find it holographically. How yeah, they did, yeah. Like, he couldn't even leave a room. They like demoted him into Except a cell. Except for Ensign and Wildman. But I do think. I, but I think even more so than Voyager, TNG, even like the minor bit, like the minor characters, like we don't even see that many just random blue shirts walking around. Like who do we get? Like Doctor Salar. That you know. That's it. Maybe they're off in their, you know, science labs doing important research and everyone else walking around is busy taking care of the ship and other stuff. <laughs> we do get Commander Darren. Well, speaking of shirts, so so we we had this thing of where Roe took off, you know, her, her Starfleet top for the first time ever. We've, we have no idea how the zipper 
you put that thing back on. Um, but she's wearing. I believe sort of... they made a separate suit for that shot. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't believe there was a zipper there to begin with. Do you just I Superman it when you're magic. in Starfleet? Could you take it off? <laughs> um, but, but like right now, she's wearing this sort of red. You know, I guess I was going to say over. It's actually under. You know, undershirt or whatever. But it almost looks like it's silk or whatever. And I'm wondering, is Jean-Luc wearing that same thing underneath his uniform? And does Data and Worf have yellow or gold ones underneath their uniforms? It's, it's very Well, and Picard's a sleeveless, uh, just like hers. Underwear. I mean, it, it must be. <laughs> no, the only thing that Picard has under I mean, his uniform is his bathing suit from Risa. That's all he's wearing under there. <laughs> Captain's you know, holiday. That, <laughs> that shimmery, cool-looking underwear. Yeah, there's a lot of silk in the TNG. Like, if you see Picard's, you know, very little pajamas that he wears, his little silk robe that, like, goes one inch below his hip or something, and <laughs> and all of the pajamas he seems to wear, they're just silk and very comfortable and nice. It's nice to know comfort's a big thing in the 24th century. And they're, and they're Although, not to, draw the, to draw that parallel again, though, between Roe and Kira, I mean, she also had a jacket kind of top that she could take off and I, I I have to say though I think the the costume department did a better job in DS9 with hers was kind of the little kind of etching along the top and I just it looked less like oh this is a uniform and more just like this is my personal choice for what I have to wear like under my uniform welcome to Star Trek who wore it better yeah <laughs> we won't get into that because it's not even a contest but uh but okay, so here we go. Here, here's right. an interesting scene yes. because we get the we get the genesis of the, and it's not like a huge thread through TNG, but we get to see Rowan and Guinan. And, and honestly, I'm of the opinion that any episode, any scene that Guinan in Guinan is in is instantly better. Like she elevates, uh, like generations. Oh, oh. <laughs> wait. Well, I do like how Bev and Troy went to go meet Ro. Like, we're the welcoming the new female committee because we're the only token females here on the crew. Yeah, yeah yep. <laughs> Once again, Ogawa gets the shaft. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Nurse Ogawa. Oh, man. Well, right, that's a whole. We're going to have next week character profile Nurse Ogawa. That, that's not true. But, um... Actually, that's not true. But okay. <laughs> I thought we were going to. I thought we were going to profile Andrew before we did it. Nurse Ogawa. Oh, we're not. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but um, but this is a, this is a fairly this is a relationship that is actually brought up again for those people who like to criticize TNG of not having these through lines or, or, or following up on anything that they do. This is kind of a central point to the the episode Rascals, which I think we all enjoy. Guinan um, and Roe, yeah. Guinan and Roe, like Guinan again doing what she's doing here, you know, trying to teach Roe to loosen up, you know, have fun, you know, talk to people interact have friends make friends and uh, well they knew if they put Guinan and Roe together they would grow oh oh I see what you did there that was clever I'll, I'll give you that one um but hashtag yeah, like, so, <laughs> <laughs> no please no hashtag please no hashtag <laughs> um but uh but yeah it I mean the parallels between their two I mean not childhoods but at least lives um is you know Guinan her people with the Borg and destroying her her society and then being scattered. Um, then you have the Bajoran, same thing, being occupied by the Cardassians and their culture being scattered. And so that's sort of their their things that they have in common there. And, and she's, I, I guess, looking out for one of her own. Yeah. What do you think she's drinking there? It looks like Kool-Aid to me. I don't know if you guys, if you guys <laughs> oh, saw it. Oh, she's drinking the Kool-Aid. It doesn't matter. Right. It's in a futuristic glass, so it must be... Uh, <laughs> It must be, you know, Syntha Kool-Aid. But I do love... Can't have the real stuff. When, I love when, None of the sugar when, effects. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, you don't get a buzz. We give that to children. Here, have your Syntha Kool-Aid. They'll still be sleeping fine tonight. Syntha Kool-Aid. <laughs> I, I, uh, does that mean there's, like, Syntha candy? And, like, I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah, the kids still get the little red mustache from drinking it, but you don't get any of the hyperactive. The replicator makes sure they get five a day. I mean, really, kids can have synth the hall, right? (laughs) But, all right, we won't get into that. That's a a separate thing. But I do want to mention that I love this. I love the moment that we just passed where um, uh, Guinan is talking to racist Jordy about Roe. And and, um, 
and Jordy's like telling her, oh, well, he got, she got these people killed. And, you know, no Starfleet officer should want to be around her. And Guinan is like, well, it sounds like someone I'd, I'd like to know, which I think just speaks to the, the depth. <laughs> That's so Guinan. Yeah, such a great Guinan line and, and, a, and a real well, aspect of her character. Well, in the scene, the part we just passed, you know, I often wonder, is there a switchboard somewhere on the Enterprise? Because some sort of Starfleet signal comes in and they put the call in and say, uh, Ensign Rowe, there's a there's a communication for you. And she just kind of pauses and she's like, thanks. <laughs> and if I was on the other end, I'd be like, so <laughs> do you want me to take a message, uh, route this to your comm badge or make a telegram like come on give make me something honey you know look at this look at this I, get, I picture someone like pulaski with like the earphone and like the really old switchboard in mm-hmm. front of her you know but but modernized you know well, well this- i like this away team here because picard was so jealous of roe taking off her uniform he's like i'm switching to the jacket see <laughs> i have a fancy undershirt too mine's blue though his his closet's all, you know, the regular jumpsuit and then the one jacket. And he's like, today, this is a jacket day. <laughs> he wakes himself up, looks at the morning reports. You know what? It's a jacket day. It's time to be the captain. <laughs> Other times he's like, I don't feel like putting on two different pieces of cloth. I'm just doing the one. Ugh. And in that um, transporter scene, we had six officers. Six. And none of them were wearing blue. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's absolutely no. ridiculous. Well, and that's well, why the card is I'm technically really wearing blue. Go- got the blue undershirt. It's kind of gray. Uh, I, I, that doesn't I consider count. it gray. It's a shade. But of gray. you know, imagine if uh, imagine if Ensign Rowe hadn't beamed down before them, then I don't think they would have all fit on the same transporter pad. And what would we have done? <laughs> we would have had to take could have turns. St- stood in the middle. Could have stood in the middle. Used the power. Yeah, beam that's true. There in the middle. They do use the middle a little bit, but that's like the odd one. Like, oh, <laughs> you 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 don't get the you know your little own hexagon. <gasps> you have to stand in the middle. <gasps> we lost our signal bars. <laughs> Data lost his bars. Data lost his bars. Um, yes, okay, this is the big reveal of the episode where we find out the terrorist that we have been searching, you know, Actually, Robo. we find out that Starfleet has no tactics when no, beaming no down tactics. into a situation <laughs> where they don't know what's going They're on. They're freedom fighters, Daniel. Freedom you a, fighters. You have a Klingon, you have an android, and you have the most sophisticated piece of technology orbiting the planet, uh, you know, in the world. And you have handheld... Uh, you know, scanning devices that could tell you how many people Whoa, are there. Phantom of are. the Opera. Yeah. Yes. And you get you get ambushed in a cave by these these yokels who can't even leave orbit. So it's yeah, it is pretty sad that they that their tactics are that off. Oh goodness. So we find out right here is is that the Bajorans weren't the ones. They weren't the terrorists that attacked the Federation, right? But who no. who could it have been? Who was it? Mystery Although I really like this, you know, the not just the makeup on Orta, but also his little voice box. I think that extra detail where it kind of lights up more LEDs as he gets louder, and it's not just a single blinky light. You know, I, that's that's a great prop. Uh, right, I'd wear which that I on think Halloween. this is this is a great message. You know, don't smoke, kids. This is what, <laughs> what it leads to. What it leads to. <laughs> that would have been really funny if you walked in with it. I can see the crossover. Trek. I've seen the Star Trek read poster. Now we just need the Orta Don't Smoke poster. <laughs> that would just yeah, that would have been great if he walked in with a voice box and Hello Picard, you know. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny, but unfortunately we didn't get the uh, no the no smoking episode in TNG, did we? We did get a, dr- a, a no, no drugs episode. We we got the no drugs. Yeah, we got the Yar speech to Wesley. Yes, which was absolutely ridiculous but um so here we go why are you pro-drug daniel are you saying we should promote drugs look at this hey, hey i'm just saying forget the commentary wesley was one of the only ones who didn't partake in the game <laughs> that's right pretty much a drug that the whole ship got infected with so i think he's doing a pretty good job including the captain maybe it was the speech by yar that that scared him straight maybe she was like the original <laughs> scared straight that's what it was <laughs> Oh man! So five people, five people just got off the turbo lift. None of them wearing blue. Okay, that's the last I'm going to mention it. But I just I I think uh, I wouldn't really want to be that crowded in a turbo lift with Worf. I'm just saying he's a big. Uh, dude. I don't think it would have been a pleasant uh, trip. He doesn't like bathing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right now, Picard is is telling Ensign Rowe, "Don't ever disobey my orders again." <laughs> right. And then she she slinks out to 
do 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 so she's a very sad so she wants to go ice skating is what you're saying <laughs> she has to go to the psychiatrist right that's what she's about to do man she really wants to jump on that bed you can tell oh she just wants to jump up and down on that bed so she's much. a jumper oh boy <laughs> well she's laying on the bed okay, so she's halfway okay. there Yes, you're right, but but so Guinan's in here now, and which... I heard you got grounded. See, <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting, right? <laughs> Let's talk about Guinan and Roe again because that seems appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, this is like a uh, you know we get this scene later on in Rascals, just like like we're mentioning, like the jumping on the bed scene. It's mm-hmm. it's. It's interesting, I think, and it's 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 smart of the writers to put Guinan on Rose's side because we'll see in a minute when they go up back up to the ready room, and Guinan's the only one on that ship that could have turned Picard. I think at that moment, maybe Riker if he yeah. really had a good point, but I think then Picard would have just been like, "Oh, you just you just want her. That's that's why you're <laughs> defending her." But I think Guinan is the only one that can... can Foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guinan is the only one that can give legitimacy to Roe, to Picard right now. Because in his eyes, she's committed treason. She's she's withheld information. She's, again. Again, yeah. Again. <laughs> and it's so powerful that all she has to say to Picard is, she's my friend. And then walk out of the room. And Picard's like, okay, yeah. I'll give her another shot. I mean, Starfleet has a pretty much a three strikes policy, so she only has one more chance left at this point. Unless you're Nick Lacarno. Then it's off to New Zealand, and you, you don't want that. And you have to have a name change, and then you get put on a really <laughs> tiny ship. Yeah. And, you're, and you're the, your dad will change appearance more than once, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Uh, but oh, so, man. yeah, I mean, like I said... Uh, I really do think that guy. Named- I always like. Go ahead. It, it was this is is this Ensign Row before or after um, Mark Twain? Because I, I, I this is I, I'm, I've been watched an episode um, in my third I'm season. I'm pretty sure this watched. is pre Times Era. No, it's yeah it's okay. After. It's it Times Era. Thank you. It's after because yeah. because it's after okay. Oh, is it after? Because I think Guinan was t- telling someone in an episode, you know, I'm really attracted to bald men because the bald man saved my, you know, it was really good, you know, saved my life when I needed it. And then right here she's telling Ensign Rowe, you know, he really, really was there when I needed him. And it's always been like this mystery, like, what was this time? What was this time? And then it's time's arrow of um, she was hurting a lot and Picard stayed with her. Yeah. So, which I don't know if it, 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 it I know this isn't what time's arrow, but that was kind of a disappointing scene. Well, I won't talk about the episode, but it was like, oh, we built this up so much, and then we saw it, and it was like, oh, well, it was just that. Okay. I lied, actually. But anyway. Darren, you're, we- you were right, Darren. I, I want to apologize. Darren was right. It was the, time's arrow is the end of this season, so this actually takes place pre-time's arrow. And um, this isn't the Times Arrow podcast, so I'm not going to co- comment no. too much on it, but I, I can't stand those episodes. They... they really irritate me i don't like them at all but you're right and i always thought not to bring it too far off off of star trek but i think that (laughs) guinan and picard have a very doctor who and um oh his wife what's her name his wife the one that go she goes backwards in time and he goes forwards in time Oh, uh, I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Keep going. Keep talking. <laughs> Anyways, it's it always River Song. Sorry, River Song. River Thank Song. You, yes. Once that started happening in Doctor Who, it reminded me very much of the Picard Guinan thing. Like, oh, we've done things that I can't tell you about yet, and uh, I always thought that was spoilers. Interesting. Spoilers, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, here but, we have the big reveal of Rose of Rose saying she's secretly working for the Bad Moral to set up the you know, give weapons and keep the peace with the Cardassians and all that stuff. Yeah, and, okay, so this irritates and me. Picard about, is aghast. He is, as shocked. he should be, right? Shocked. And it, yes. it always irritates me about about these admirals that they have zero oversight. Like, in my <laughs> mind, Starfleet's a massive organization, right? Like, huge. And I'm thinking yeah, that there like are probably... Yeah, there are probably hundreds of admirals. I think that's how in my mind that's what Dan, I think. Are you somehow saying that one admiral couldn't create the biggest ship known to Starfleet <laughs> and hide it in the solar system without anyone knowing else in Starfleet? Is that what you're trying to say? Whilst, that sounds like that'd be a crazy thing if that happened. Whilst keeping a model of it on his desk. 
Oh, hey, I, that's interesting design. Uh, why haven't we done that before? No, don't worry about it. It's, it's Legos. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, no. No, it makes no sense to me. Like, they're... Okay, let's not get into into, into darkness. That's that's not what we're going. <laughs> let's talk about everything but this episode. No, yeah, no, it's good. Let's, good let's go let, on here I, with, I do with have Ro this revealing yourself to Picard. Yes, and I do have this problem that this admiral has this amount of oversight and this amount of authority to be like, I'm going to send someone on a secret mission. Uh, nobody's apparently checking up on what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want because I'm as soon as you reach admiral, that's it. Every ship is under your command. Mm-hmm. Every I don't know. You're you're in the military. Is that how things work? Like as soon as you reach a certain rank, you're in charge of everybody below you, and you can tell them to do whatever you want. Well, the, he's the only admiral in the sector in the quadrant. There's no <laughs> other admirals around. Yeah, I don't buy that. Uh huh. No, no. Oh man. Well, I think also it seems like in TNG, not all of them, but it seems for the most part that the bad admirals are all connected to the Cardassians because you have this one, you have Admiral Nechev. And they're all about doing these kind of, you know, uh, bad things or quote-unquote bad things all to keep the peace with the Cardassians. That, that's the most important thing. You know, the, 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 the means justify the ends of keeping peace, peace, peace with the Cardassians. And so I always find that this common thread here um, in yeah, these I, latter seasons of TNG with the And that's world. interesting because maybe, maybe what it is is that, is that Starfleet realizes, or the Federation realizes, how terrible that that um, peace treaty that they signed was? Because all it ever did was come back to haunt them, and really, it didn't give you that much peace. And it was still this kind of Cold War scenario, and like you like displaced millions of your own people to sign this treaty. Maybe they realize how terrible it was, so they're like kind of going out of their way to. I don't know. I don't know. I just. Yeah, I mean, it just irritates me because I, I get sick that every admiral we see is a bad guy. I love that in and in, in Enterprise that we get Admiral Forrest, and he's a good guy the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's wonderful. We never got that in TNG, and I wish... It's fine if you have every now and again, fine. You want to you cause internal conflict, that's okay. But, like, I think it's one, it's one of the things that Enterprise does really well. It's like, no, 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 these admirals are going to be your advocates, they're going to be the in-between guys between the people in the field and, you know, the guys back at home. So that's why I like Admiral yeah. Forrest so much, and I wish TNG had their version of that. Yes, the Admiral certainly set up a lot of character conflict in Next Generation, so it's, it's definitely <laughs> something that you would notice when you watch this series. But yeah, uh, I mean, one thing about the Cardassians... Yeah, yeah, I definitely say that. Um, one thing about the Cardassians, I think it's it's an interesting um, alien species for TNG because they're not the bad guy enemy because we're at peace with them. They're not the Romulans who have always been the bad guys. They're not the Klingons. It's kind bad of a guys, tolerant peace, you know. Yeah, it's I sort mean, of this tenuous. Really... They're not. They're not our. I mean, they're we're peace. So they're kind of our allies, but not really. We're suspicious. And I think that's sort of an interesting dynamic to have with an alien species that they're not the enemy but they're always kind of the suspicious you don't know what's going on with them but we still have to be nice with, with them I, I love the Cardassians our first shot of Ensign Rowe at the helm that's right Which <laughs> where she should have been every episode after this but unfortunately she wasn't uh, I have to, just have to <laughs> say I love Picard's plan like oh. it's such a great plan like, the double bluff Well, and that's the great thing like it's very much his style I mean you have Kirk I mean, the way Kirk or Janeway or Cisco would have handled this situation is probably all different. But I just love Picard, Picard's way the best. It, it's he always has he keeps that you know card in his pocket. It's like yeah. with the the Fector having the Klingons cloaked there the whole time and being like. Well, and yeah, continuity wise, I love how the Bajoran transport is the same model they use in Deep Space Nine. Whenever they have like a Bajoran transport show up, it looks like kind continuity. of that triangular shape and. You know, I mean, I know that these were all kind of shot relatively close to each other, if you think about it, you know, from DC Space Nine to, to this season. But still, it's those little details that are nice, you know, in, in Star Trek. Yeah, and and like we've been talking about, obviously, this sets up the Cardassian-Bajoran conflict that we see all throughout Deep Space Nine. And I'm with you guys. I, I like the Cardassians as, as, as the bad guys because they're interesting, because they... They're very sinister, and they're very and they're very manipulative and backstabbing. They're they're a lot like the Romulans in that way, but they're much they're much more upfront. I don't know. I I just I really enjoy the Cardassians, and we don't get to see them much on TNG. Like what 
three, four episodes maybe. But um, I I, you could tell that they kind of yeah. hit, they kind of hit the ground running with them. Like they had a good idea for for what they wanted, except for like those stupid helmets that they wore in the first episode and their weird split mustaches yes. that some of them yeah. wore. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they they have uh, we're about to see in like ten seconds here. They still have that kind of weird looking armor here um, before they go to the cool looking metal one here. Yes, and they're they're like they're more flesh colored than than white. Yeah, like in, in Deep Space Nine. It's true. Yeah. Their armor was ba in. In uh, in DJ's yeah, nine, it was. Yeah. Now, not here. Yeah, there we go. We got a Cardassian here. Now, I was about to say they don't have the neck that we usually see, but maybe they're just different races of Cardassians. This is sort of the thin neck. You Cardassian. see a little bit maybe of it, but Cardassia it's definitely not as pronounced. And not the Cardassians. Oh gosh. Because <laughs> uh, you're right. The, you're... These the Cardassia, which I'll call them, are a little more like hairy. Uh, like the, and then the Cardassians, a little more dark hair and big neck and you know. scaly. Yeah, well, I agree with you yeah. though, uh, Darren. I do love that Picard has this really smart plan. Well, we'll give him exactly what he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, and I love this. Uh, I love this scene because it's so. It tells us how Picard deals with the Romulans, where he has this. You know, we're going to say in the most polite language possible that we both hate your guts, but we're going to say in the most polite <laughs> way, like ah. Oh, we're friends here, aren't we? So what are you doing? Ah, well, this is what we're doing. Ah, oh, we'd request that you withdraw. Oh, I understand your request. We also request this. And it's like, we just hate fire weapons. He does, <laughs> he does that in the other Cardassian episode, too, right at the end, where he's like, just so you know, we're watching you. Or whatever. Like, go home and tell your, with, you know, with, with the whole... Um, the one with Goldicott's twin brother? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know... And when he gives him, like, that ultimatum for an hour, I'm just really glad it's not one of your Earth hours. Because, I mean, <laughs> man, when they did that back in the early seasons, it, you just sound stupid <laughs> saying it. But As you but Earthmen say, I'm all ears. Yeah. Um, yes. But I often wonder with these borders, like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but space is three-dimensional. But every map I've seen of like a border between two races it's like this line it's like so is it just like can you just not fly up you know is it just like this weird axis in space like you'd think it'd be more like this amorphous blob of territories you know I, I don't know it's just and maybe it's just the technology of the day but I wish they kind of had been able to represent the overlap of their borders you know a little bit more realistically. So, so yeah. look, well, how, I think, yeah. look how smug Picard looks yeah. here when he's kind of rubbing <laughs> it into to, uh, the Admiral. He's like, oh, really? This is what you think happened? Do you think they just picked it up on sensors? Well, guess what? No one. It's knows. like he's wearing a wire and he's just, he's just guiding him, yeah. you know. Oh, yes, say this, Admiral. Yes. Oh, yes. I don't think. I don't so. think we should do this. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I just well, I love this. I'm reluctantly going to have to give you an order here, Picard. The question... Just to confirm what I heard you say, you said you ordered me <laughs> in writing to do this. Wink, wink. Just speaking to this it. potted plant. Yeah, let me just <laughs> lean forward a little bit here. Go ahead and re- repeat what you had to say. Um, well, we know Livingston is reporting this whole conversation to Section 31 as we speak. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Look at him. Look at him. He's right there in the background right now. You can just yep. oh there he yep. is just over his ear you can see him two bubbles and you'll see him disappear from the he's tank. in trouble <laughs> oh Livingston is never in trouble he's he's always fine he's got that tube that goes straight to Cetacean Ops and he's got Commander Flipper as backup so oh yeah I mean can't, Commander Flipper can't go to the bridge but you know he if he wanted to he could totally like write a strong essay about <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that fishbowl is also an escape pod for Livingston. He just presses it, and it'll just shoot. It's a sphere, and it just goes... It just sucks him right out. Yeah. (laughs) And again, three-dimensional space. Like, why couldn't they just go over the Enterprise? Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but... Oh, it's whatever. Well, you mean the Cardassians there? Yeah. Well, they could have. I think they could have... Well, they couldn't have the, the, the... Enterprise would have blown them up. I think it was just, you know, it was a... Oh, well, I guess the Enterprise has to leave these defenseless Bajorans behind for the Cardassians. Turn on all sensors on rear cameras. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the first... This is is literally moments later. 
So, like, why didn't he just stay on the line? Like, hey, I'll hold. You do what I tell you. Nope, I got to call back now. Or they could have just been like, here, let oh. me share my screen with you so you can watch it happen in real time. Oh, no, it's the... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I love how there is a very dramatic irony here where we don't know. Like, we think, oh, my God, all the Bajorans have just been killed by the Cardassians while Starfleet ordered them away. What now? Why is Picard so apathetic? He doesn't care at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he had, it in his, he had it up his sleeve the whole time. And just like you mentioned, Darren, not only do we get the first... Uh, you know, example of the Bajoran ships, but I think this is the first the Galar class uh, Cardassian ship that we see as well, which is becomes huge, huge and important. So, oh yeah, that becomes you know, which would be interesting. What if Federation designed their ships to be shaped like humans? You know, because I mean, <laughs> theirs look basically like Cardassians with the neck. Huh. I, I, that'd be a really interesting design. I don't love how every... I mean, Picard here is, is once again turning the tables on the Admiral, which he does, like, you know, every 12 episodes Leads here. them from A to B to C. <laughs> now basically like, follow me. <laughs> yeah, you, you may have, like, five more pips than me, Admiral, but I'm the Picard. Uh, you may have heard me. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Um, so let Came me tell you what's going on. I went to the Borg and took them out. Uh, I met the man. Can you imagine, like his uh, his resume? It just man, that's just. Oh wow! Yes, oh, so yeah, he's, just he's like whether it's the... he's calling out the admiral at this point. Uh, you know, just just calling his bluff. Like, hey, we, we didn't do what you wanted us to do. We we can see exactly what your plan was. And the Bajoran and, problem and the, for Admiral, Why couldn't you see that? <laughs> and Admiral, you fell for it. The Cardassians played you like a like a flute, which I also I, play. I'll show but, you later. Like a Sarkazian we... flute, because it can't just be a flute. It's got to yeah. be like some random species we've never heard of. Yes. Plus that object. That only exists in your mind because you lived, lived, lived that lifetime. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. okay, we get this this wonderfully touching scene between Roe and Captain Picard at the end where uh, essentially he asks her to join the crew and mm-hmm. she's reluctant at first obviously but she eventually says yes as long as she can wear her Bajoran earring which is cutesy I guess um, but this is nice because because Roe definitely looks up to Picard like I think we can all agree on that Roe like sees him as a father figure and we'll see this play through all the way until the, the season seven episode where she defects. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot the name again. Primp to strike. And um, so in the seven or eight or nine or 10 episodes that she's in, her relationship with Picard is essential to her character. And even in the last episode, when she decides to leave Starfleet for the Maquis, we see that it really takes a toll on her, what Picard thinks about her. And, and this yeah. is the genesis of that. And I think it's wonderful. It's a great well, arc. Yeah, I mean, I think Roe is almost, and maybe I'm wrong, but is almost one of those first characters where you have that sort of, you know, teacher-student relationship. Because, in other words, I'm thinking of, like, Voyager, where you had Seven, who was Janeway's project, you know, who was, yeah. who was shaping her, and Kess to a certain extent. But but here you have them setting up that Roe's going to be Picard's project, that he's going to, yeah. you know, mold her, shape her, make her a better leader, and at the same time, she'll also have an effect on him. Because, hey, guess what? I'm putting my earring on. Deal with it. <laughs> well, and I think that's why she's also smile. such good friends with Guinan. I mean, the paperwork she had to do for that earring is nothing compared to the paperwork Guinan had to do for her hats. I mean, mountains <laughs> and mountains of paperwork. And she's, seen not hats? and she's not even in Starfleet. And she just runs the local uh, drinking establishment. <laughs> uh, and okay, so that was the, the end, end of the episode. And... Um, you know that that brings us to close to the end here, but I did want to go into just some some closing thoughts of what you guys think about the episode. Um, I'll, I'll let you go first, Darren. Darren, what, like, what are you, what are your opinions of Ensign Row? How do you feel about it as an episode? I think she it's a great episode. It's a you know all the times I've watched it this last week in in kind of preparation for this discussion. You know. Uh, I think the greatest thing is not even is not even Ensign Rowe, is more of what we discussed with the Cardassians, with really starting to sow those seeds and 
I think that was greatly to the benefit of Deep Space Nine because you have the, that's basically the main antagonist for the first few seasons, uh, and in, and as many times as they pulled away Gold Ducat, he always just showed up to be a thorn in Cisco's side. Like he was such a reoccurring villain, but in a in a very villainous way, different than Q. I mean, Q kept showing up, but you know he was the trickster. You know, Ducat was the monster, and this really set up the Cardassians in such a great way that really, I think, really benefited uh, benefited Deep Space Nine. And, you know, we got a great character out of it that was really well used, I think, in her stint in the remainder of, uh, of Next Gen. And unfortunately, that didn't continue into Deep Space Nine. Miles kind of took her seat on the shuttle. Great. Yeah, no, I, those, those were really good points. Uh, what about you, Philip? How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, Daniel, I, I like this episode, too, which I think it's interesting that we're... Um, I mean, what season is this? Season six? Five. Here? That five. we're inter- five. introducing... Season five. five. Season yeah. five. But, but we're introducing a new character. I mean, that you know, hey, we're going to have this new character. She's going to be on... Who introduces generation? a new I mean, character in their fifth season? I mean, come on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and so I think it's kind of an interesting way that... that TNG was trying to, you know, keep things fresh and keep things going, and and certainly she was a change from people that we've seen before. You know, introduced a new alien species, and and like I said, that sort of unique perspective of Bajorans, which again I think this is an interesting episode, um, especially for me in the way that I approach my Trek fandom, which is you know through the morality and the principles of Starfleet, you know, with Picard, because you see at the end with Picard saying, you know, hey Ensign Row, you have a lot to learn from Starfleet. And yet it's the same Starfleet that ignored her people, allowed them to be oppressed, that has this crazy admiral <laughs> who's making side deals with Cardassians. Yet, just like Picard, I, I believe in the principles of the Federation and, and Starfleet. Unfortunately, some of the people in Federation and Starfleet don't always live that. But, but I think it's interesting in setting up all those sort of balls of, of what we said, the Cardassians, the Bajorans, uh, the Enterprise, and, and, and this character of Ensign Rowe um, going forward. And, 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 I, and I think she did have a lot of um, good episodes. I think there's some times where she was just sort of the token, you know, wharf subs- substitute sometimes, you know, just the angry, angry fire phasers and everything. But but uh, there were other episodes too where, where she did provide a great presence, whether it was Rascals or the, I'm blanking on the name, the one with uh, Jordy, where they were both, you know, quote unquote dead. Out of phase? Um, yeah, out it's of out, phase. I think it's out of phase, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, but yeah, no, she, she definitely did a great job. And, and, and I was sort of sad to see her. Um, you know, defect at the end, but you know, it, it certainly wasn't a crazy storyline and it made sense. So, so good episode. Yeah, and and my and I agree with both of you guys. Um, Ensign Rowe, this this episode as a whole is is, I think, the most important episode in setting up Deep Space Nine. Um, and this isn't the Deep Space Nine podcast, so we're not going to talk too much about that. But it, it's interesting that in this it has episode, a name. <laughs> it's called the orb. <laughs> the orb. Oh, wait, no, to we don't orb. say it for that. One. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> it's interesting that in this episode that sets up so many essential things to Deep Space Nine. Obviously, the Cardassian Bajoran uh, conflict and all of that kind of lays the groundwork for it. Even though I don't think they were meaning to at the time, that's just kind of what came out of it. Um, we get a character like Ensign Rowe, who is kind of more Deep Space Nine esque than TNG esque. Um, that we get this flawed character that doesn't want to be in Starfleet, that doesn't get along with Starfleet, that kind of wants to do her own thing, but then learns from her experience with Starfleet and grows as a character. And I think that's wonderful. I think um, I, I have n- nothing but good things to say about Ensign Rowe. Um, I love every episode she's in. I love every appearance of her. I wish she was in Deep Space Nine. I wish she showed up in the movies at some point. I, I just, I, I even loved her when she showed up, Ensign Rowe, as Admiral Rowe in, in Battlestar Galactica. But you know, she had gone through some rough times, so things things didn't work out so well for Did her. you was watch season, season two of True Blood? Is she was a bad role. That's absolutely right. And yes, I, I have seen some of her appearances on uh, True Blood, but that's not important. Um, <laughs> so I do. I love I love Ensign Rowe, and I love watching these, these episodes with her. Uh, and it makes me sad because I, I do wish that we got to see a little more of, of her character. But uh, I am glad they took the risk because it was a risk introducing a new character in season five like philip mentioned and uh and i'm just i'm just glad that they did that so so but i mean it's been great talking about ensign Rowe and the cardassians and the bajora 
uh, as we've been doing today. <laughs> but these are not the only subjects that, that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Gene Roddenberry. I appreciate Gene Roddenberry as a creator because he had a vision and he stuck to it unlike other creators of other franchises that we won't get into. Who are you talking about, Drew? Not not George Lucas. Earl Grey. Romance on TNG. I got the four pips. I'm I'm ready to settle down now. It wasn't until then that I could get, get stay with one woman. So instead of rings, do they use that last pip on his collar <laughs> as a, the signal of their <laughs> eternal love and devotion together? The orb. Bajoran prophecies. <laughs> well, you know, um, I was thinking that Haran was probably not so much a prophet as a Bajoran songwriter who just wrote really bad lyrics. The Ready Room. Faces. What you brought up is the exact reason why I like this episode so much, because the essential message is we have to have our good and our not-so-hot qualities to make us who we are. We have to deal with them. And this is just a very extreme version of that. To the journey! Workforce rewrite. And I'm totally with you about Jaffin. He is like Mark version 2.0. He's just like, he's a little too laid back. He's a little too quick to buy into all of this. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, dude, grow a pair. I like the way you put that. Commentary, Trek stars. Black and Cushman, part two. So they were trying to find a replacement, not to play Spock, but to play another Vulcan who would be assigned to the Enterprise. Whoa. And one of the wow. one of the guys they were considering was David Carradine, who went on what? to play. Oh, my God. <laughs> Warp 5. Continuity and consequences. It was a place that you generally don't expect Star Trek to go with a major character for sure, and certainly not for the the period of time mm. that it went on, because, you know, it starts in fusion. She becomes infected with this Padar syndrome, and then that even leads her to drug addiction. Trek news and views. Looking back at TMB. Oh, okay, we're still talking TMP. I was thinking Janeway's Pink Nighty. I know, it's like, what? <laughs> oh, Janeway's Pink Nighty, OBQ. Yeah. yeah. You seem to like it. Uh-huh. Yeah, done before, yeah. yeah. That was that was, that was was a nice night, too. Literary treks. Bill Wynn. It has two sides to it. You know, you can read it as just the fun yacht race, which I thought, the Federation has a biannual sailing competition? I did not know this. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them everywhere on the internet you possibly can. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox Zune. You can stream and download the files directly from the website. So all you have to do is visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all of the links. So if you want to contact us, uh, you can do that. Uh, All you have to do is go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there and you can choose to send to Earl Grey. That will come to the three of us by email. And you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can also use the trek.fm slash forums and use social media as well at Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm or on Twitter under the username trek.fm. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor who makes it possible for us to bring every cup of Earl Grey to you as well as all of our other shows. Our sponsor for this show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you ever wanted to read but never thought you had the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are many next generation books available on Audible, including Dark Mirror and Q Squared, both read by Q himself, John Delancey. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. All right, Darren, if people are looking for you on the internet, where can they find you? Well, they can go to drsci-fi.com for my podcast and my very sporadic blog, or they can talk to me directly on Twitter at DrSciFi. Great. And how about you, Philip? 
Well, they can find me on my Twitter handle, Ensign Rowe, for my show, Ensign Rowe. Where, no. Um, no. They can find <laughs> me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is NC Public Servant. That's uh, NC like North Carolina, where I talk about Trek, Doctor Who, politics, government, and whatever else is going on in the world. Great. And if anybody wants to find me, Twitter would be the best place. I am 1UpDan. That is the number, not the word one. All right, guys. Well, even though scissor technology has not changed in 300 years, I need to get down to Mott's for a, for a, for a trim, I think. And maybe, maybe even a shave. It's no shave November. So maybe he can make me look like Riker. But uh, so we will catch you guys next week on Earl Grey. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. <laughs>